Good morning. It is December the 25th, 2021 here in Egypt and the time is 9.44 a.m. Hey party people, how y'all doing? Happy holidays. Um, Yeah, I'm here. I'm in the spirit. I am still in the bed and I am um, reclaiming my time to rest. Uh, And I send all the educators, all the educators, anybody who works in a school system, I send all of y'all this rest I'm getting. I send y'all the spirit of rest. I send y'all the spirit of rejuvenation. I send y'all the spirit of turn them lights off. I send you the spirit of put a movie on. I send you the spirit of I ain't getting out these clothes today. Yes, let's get some rest today um, for Christmas. Um, it is not Christmas yet in the United States, so I am a day ahead bringing y'all this this um, energy and this happiness and this joy. And hopefully while we're doing this, a little bit of laughter. Um, I do not ascribe to Christmas as a social construct, but I do subscribe to Christmas as a... Um, spiritual construct so with that being said don't come to me talking about jesus was born on this day and all of that and that's why we give gifts if you're gonna give a gift today give it because somebody deserves it give it because you had the resources to provide the gift and give it because it is in your heart to give if you complained about wrapping gifts don't give gifts if you complained about having to buy gifts don't give gifts If you, um, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, um, hit some kind of emotional stumbling block behind gift giving, do not give gifts today. That is not your calling. That is not your ministry. Um, However, it is the holiday season, and um, it is important that you make uh, spiritual connections um, to to the global community at large. We are winning We are moving forward. We are prospering. The devil will not claim victory over our lives and our spirits and our hearts. As a matter of fact, the devil is about to run back into hiding. Anyway, so what's going on? I am happy to say that I have the place to myself this week. My roommate who has been sick all week uh, happily got up and started her vacation early. She is gone to see her uh, friend in another part of Egypt where the beaches are. But that child, honey, y'all, she was sick all week. She lost her voice uh, two weeks ago, kept going out over the weekends. And then all this shit finally caught up with her. And all last week she was out with no voice for the first couple of days. And then after her voice came back, like on a Tuesday, she caught a cold and it was just it was just chaos y'all her body was just just chaotic I mean I can't even explain to y'all and I would come in and you know with my tea tea sipping face glide on by her and come to my room so I got the place to myself so I could finally walk around in a um germ-free environment and let me tell y'all about my roommate she she, I don't know, y'all. I, it's I, she on that lower end of the spectrum. I'm not gonna lie to y'all because 
one day she and I was sitting at the table talking. Now I was doing most of the talking because she didn't have a voice. Right. Right. And there was a fly in the room. Now I told y'all about these African flies when I first got here. If you've ever seen the Jamie Foxx uh, bit where he talks about the flies in Africa, he was not lying. The flies here are on a whole nother level. Like, they will land on your forehead and stay there until you have to swat them. They Like, in America, you if a fly lands on your forehead, you can, like, shake your head and the fly will fly away. Over here in Africa, you got to, like, get put them hands on it. Like, you got to have an object coming towards you. And most of the time, you're going to end up knocking yourself out before you hit the fly. So, there was a fly in the in the living room. And she was like, I don't know where all these flies are coming from. Now, in our kitchen is a window. I don't ever open the window because I be thinking about more than just flies coming in to the kitchen. Like, I be thinking about spiders. I be thinking about mosquitoes. I be thinking about shit that slides on walls. So, I never open that window. But my roommate who cooks all assortment of strange smelling things opens the window. So, no wonder, like... I had mosquitoes a couple of nights ago. I had not a couple of nights ago, like earlier part of last week, there was a mosquito. I was having like mosquitoes. Like I woke up in the middle of the night whacking myself in the face because I could hear mosquitoes buzzing around my ears. And the mosquitoes here ain't no joke, y'all. Like, oh, they ain't no joke. Like the wildlife here is it's just another level. It's like everything is hungry. So I got mad because I had just had the maintenance guy come and fix my window because I had I had slid my windows the wrong way so they wouldn't close. Like I had a big old gap on one side and a big old gap on the other. And I told him, I said, y'all need to come and give me a new window. And the guy came in and just like literally forced them into the right slots and shifted them uh, to the opposite sides of each other. And my windows closed. Not only do they close, they locked. So that killed the little insect problem that I was having. So I had gone a couple of days, no mosquitoes. And then I wake up in the middle of the night, early one night last week, and I'm swatting mosquitoes. So I'm like, what the fuck? <clears throat> So I ended up going to Carrefour and getting me like this uh, raid mosquito plug-in kind of thing. And I um, bought me some incense. And pretty much once I got everything that was flying out of my life, out of my room, I was very vigilant about keeping it that way. So anyway, long story short, she's opening the window while we're cooking. And then she's wondering why we got three flies Flying around the living room, which is where our dinner table is. She's like, where did where these flies come from? And I'm like, y'all know what I'm about to say, but I'm not going to say it. I think I finally got a nigga out of my uh, vocabulary as well. Anyway, so she goes and gets a can of Raid. Now, ain't neither one of us eating, so I ain't tripping. And I'm like, I, you know, she's, we're talking and she's casing the room for these flies. This woman starts trying to zap the flies with the can of Raid. So I was like, uh, Shari, that's not going to work. Like, what are you doing? And I literally said that. Like, that's not going to work. What are you doing? But she was already on her rampage. Like, it went from to And then in, in, in a very, very five-second moment, this nigga is, I'm sorry. But that's what that was. It was nigga shit. 
she's spraying trying to hit the flies in the living room so I'm sliding out of my seat at this point finna go in my room and I'm like what are you doing I said that like literally just like that what are you doing are you trying to kill us and she's like no I'm trying to get the fly and I was like girl bye and I went into my room literally y'all I promise y'all that's exactly what happened (laughs) she didn't even have the good common sense to open the patio door like flies love light just open the patio door but she done sprayed the whole living room with rage. So, and then wondering why she ain't got no voice. Wondering why she's sick. Wondering why she got a cold. Wondering why her nose running. Wondering, 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 wondering. So, I was like, girl, let me go on here and, get, and finish my work week and get you out of here. So, that was the earlier part of this week. Another thing is my students taught me a new Egyptian word that I'm about to hip y'all to. So, I hope y'all are listening. The word is shep shep. Ship ship. Ship ship. I think it's ship ship. Like with the I-E. Like E. Ship ship. And what a ship ship is, is a slipper. It is a house shoe. Now, the ship ship is particular to the Egyptian mother. The Egyptian mother is the wielder of the ship ship, of the slipper, which means if you ain't behaving, you're going to get this slipper. Now, what's interesting about this is the students were like, Miss, Miss, do, 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 does, do American mothers do, do, like, does your mother know about the ship ship? And I was like, no, I don't, she know about the belt belt, but she don't know about the ship ship. So uh, we started talking about discipline um, activities for Egyptian mothers and for black mothers, which was really funny. It was a really good conversation between me and my kids. And I realized that you know the same way the black mother has wielded the belt the egyptian mother wields the ship ship and we ain't too far from each other that's why i say y'all we get our culture honest the the ancestral things about being black in america are very very um honestly um given to us and it's an exciting thing to to watch and to talk about and so i go because my roommate was um out all week uh the other English teachers had to cover her classes. They don't have a subsystem here the way they do in America where there's actually people from outside who come in and sit in the class. When somebody is absent here on this campus, everybody else has to dig in and put on another hat. So I was subbing for her. So she teaches a fifth grade class. So um, we were all in there having a good pre-Christmas time. And um, right before we left, I was telling the kids of this word that I learned. Because the kids are always like, Miss, have you what, what words have you learned today? So I said, the ship ship. And they just started laughing. Their little fifth grade hearts just, they were like, oh, yeah, we know about the ship ship. <laughs> and I was like, I bet y'all do because y'all bad as hell. Um, so this one little girl was like, no, Miss, you don't understand. She's fifth grade now. You don't understand. She said, it's the Egyptian mother literally will ship ship like this. And she does this gesture where she kicks up in the air. She looks up in the air at the imaginary ship ship floating. She watches it come back down. She catches it and she throws it like Babe Ruth in the ninth inning, man. It was just, and Babe Ruth probably wasn't a pitcher. I don't know. But y'all know what I'm saying. Like this little girl was doing her one act right there in front of me because I laughed. 
I laughed like I've never laughed before because I was like, I understand. It was the same as when your grandmom used to say, go out there and get a switch and don't come back with no little bitty ass switch. Because if you do, I'm going to go out there and get the whole tree to beat your ass with it. It was that kind of thing. And it led to another interesting conversation. But um, we ended up when my sixth graders told me the word, we ended up talking about, you know, forms of punishment forms of not sparing the rod and how we don't you know discipline is not physical abuse in our communities now abuse is a whole different thing if you're getting thrown up against the wall or you're getting you know um you're getting limbs broken or bruised or things like that that's abuse in our communities um and it's probably gotten worse because people really have stopped raising their kids and i'm not saying people should be whipping their kids but spankings and 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 whippings and and punishment of any sort getting hit to keep you from misbehaving is not abuse abuse is abuse but, you know, the world has gotten to a point to where we're, we're, we're at a moment where we are starting to try to reason with kids in a way that I totally think is healthy. And if the kid responds to the healthy way of discipline, then we, we're on the right path. How so never some of these kids need to be spanked. They need to be popped because the spirit in which they are driven can be dangerous to their survival and they have to learn how to control how to wield their own power anyway so that was it that's the word for the week ship ship uh you're gonna catch this ship ship and now i just now i just gotta like go buy me a pair of slippers that i can like whip one off and throw it right quick just for practice like i don't even have any kids you know but i will throw one at my nieces and nephews who are in their adult lives i'll be like what you say to me so that's the word ship ship um on a uh, more serious note, um, this week my students had to read a nonfiction piece of text about the rise and fall of orphanages in America. And I, we weren't even, it was like a three page piece of text and we weren't even into the second paragraph. And I was like, we got to stop. We got to stop. Because what you have to realize is that as long as white people think they're white, then it forces black people and Native Americans and all of these other labels to be those labels. Like it forces us to because we have to get them to reconcile that that shit don't exist. So we're reading this article and it's about how the orphanages became more popular in the 1900s or they were established in America in the 1900s. It really didn't talk about the the pure origins of it, but it did say orphanages began in the United States in the 1900s. Now, before I get into why I had to stop the stop the reading and 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 veer off to the left for just a second is because the 1900s were the were the years that white people thrived 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 from out, coming out of the 1700s into the early 1900s they were thriving it was america was apple pie it was learning how to um advertise itself to the global community 
It was it was really learning how to advertise itself to the global community. And what it advertised to the global community was this sense of perfection, was this sense of opulence, and was this sense of decadence. Okay? So when we talk about orphanages being um, instituted into American culture in the 1900s, I had to stop my kids because I, I had to tell them, hold up. Because what I'm learning is that Egyptians don't know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, that's a blanket statement. The Egyptians that I have come across, that I work with, who have gotten into conversations with me about being black in America, they don't seem to have an idea that we are still a very marginalized people, even though we are the majority now. Like, they don't understand that police are still unjustifiably killing and preying on our bodies they don't seem to understand that we are just moving into a movement of racial healing for ourselves for others and for the world at large so when you talk about american history they include black history with american history they uh, they they uh combine black history with american history and i have to i have to stop my students and say no 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 it's it's different we still we still have to slice the pie here because in the 1900s black people were holding on to their children black people were holding on to their 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 people they were holding on because we were come we had we were still reeling from the 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 ptsd of being torn apart so even if a woman had a baby out of wedlock, the baby stayed in the family. Aunt took him, mama took him, the sister took him, somebody took him. It's just like when Malcolm X talks about becoming an orphan, how his sister took him in. So, and how the, the, the children were divided amongst the family. So when we were talking about orphanages, I just had to stop my kids and tell them, look, this is not a part of African, of, of black history in America. Uh, in the 1900s, we were very much still... Uh, not a part of that system. So what this article basically was saying was, and I'm paraphr- <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to sit up. I'm paraphrasing. Um, was that orphanages started in the 1900s, and they were basically a product from people who a could not afford to have kids, b people who had um children that did not come out of the social structure of Americanism, meaning maybe a white man and a Jewish woman had gotten together and this child would not be accepted into the social structure. Um, it was three reasons. You couldn't afford them. They weren't a part of the social structure. Oh, and children who were just being found on the street. Like, so... People who were just like putting kids out on the street like they were kittens. And they didn't say it, but then I started thinking about the Native American culture who had already been wiped out and who were already marginalized and who were already in a perfect position to be put in these type of systems that were being created. So we were reading and, you know, they're talking about how orphans, you know, orphanages were... uh, rich societies had gotten together and created orphanages or Christian organizations had gotten together 
and created orphanages. And this was also a place for people who wanted children to be able to go, quote unquote, find children. Now, it's real funny to me because I'm like all of these kids, all of these bodies, all of these spirits, all of these combinations of imagination or, you know, whatever they came out of, be it love or rape. These children weren't weren't invisible. Somebody was was sweeping these children under the rug. Somebody was um, glorifying their shame in a way that allowed them to hide it in plain sight. And when I was explaining to my students that black people, by and far, we don't, well, we're, we're, we're becoming more Eurocentric in our ideals. And when I say Eurocentric, y'all, I do mean out of the the ideal of superiority. I do not mean out of humanity. We are becoming more and more prone to putting our people away. We're being more and more prone to putting our people away. But in the 1900s, that wasn't our reality. So I was explaining to my students that black people, we don't culturally allow systems to take care of our people. If a cousin has a baby out of wedlock or out of shame or out of violence we take the child in and just place the child somewhere else in the family where they can they can thrive and they can blossom historically we don't leave our elders to systems we don't put them in systems uh we take them in and i explained to them how my grandfather died in my aunt's house like my how my mother and and her brothers and sisters all got together and moved him around from house to house to house until he passed because nobody believed in putting him in a system my grandmother on my father's side she was allowed the luxury to die in her house because there was no belief system of leaving her to the system the system had to come and check on her Now, my grandmother on my mother's side is a different story. My grandfather on my father's side was found by my brother dead in his house. So I still come from a system, ideally. And the only reason I think my grandmother wasn't allowed to pass in her house was because they had my mother's brothers and sisters. You know, my mother and her brothers and sisters had allowed the system to completely um, be become um, melded into the life of my grandmother. So it was like all eyes are on her. And, you know, people were coming in with their quote unquote professional opinions that she needs to be in certain, certain spaces. And if she's not in these spaces, then she cannot receive this particular help or assistance. And that's how they do y'all. The system is super, super, super contrived and created to still control the lives of disenfranchised people so anyway when I'm telling my kids this one of my male students is like here too miss here too in Egypt we are not like that either we take care of our own so once again there was a connection being made from an ancestral place because I also realized like I was hoping 
that that wasn't the case here. But I didn't know. And this one little boy verified and validated that for me. But you can see it in the culture here. Like, you see it. You see people walk you see young men walking with their elderly grandmothers and their arms are hooked together you see you you see the sense of community it's all in the streets here it is all in the streets and in a way that we've become a little more perfected in our ideals of who we think we are as black people in America so it's not as evident um there's a part of our structure that has totally given up and and let itself be um, subject to the whims of the of the structure of society, and then there's that that part of us that is still benefiting and and uh, thriving. So we are still able to take care of our own. We are we're becoming more professional in mental illness. We're becoming more professional in the medical world. We're becoming more professional in the sciences and the and, and the ways and means in which we. Um, cultivate ourselves in this in this world so it was really refreshing to hear that from this student now I'm gonna try to get through this uh, article that we read so we're reading 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 and then we get to this moment where the article starts to talk about how children how how the system began to fail because children started experiencing abuse Children start experiencing bullying. Children start experiencing starvation. So me, in my mind, I'm inferencing. This is not directly being said, but I'm inferencing and I'm being very, very careful of of how my students are responding to this article. Because one of my little girls was like, this is so sad. And I'm like, girl, wipe your tears because it's about to get sadder. Go get you some Kleenex. So it starts talking about how the system switched. And systems do not just switch, y'all. Governing structures rarely switch because it's a governing structure. It is in place. It is understood. But systems switch based on how systems need to stay at the top. So it all of a sudden starts talking about how children are getting abused, children, all of this stuff, and how... Uh, people who are, uh, are adopting these kids are bringing them back and these kids are not the same as what, what they were when they left and it states that orphanages began to um, basically school kids and deculturalizing them it literally says something to the effect of kids were no longer allowed to speak their native languages so i had to stop again and i was like okay so imagine first of all that you done woke up and your mom your dad your grandmother nobody wants to claim you they done left you on the front porch of a building where there are a lot of kids inside that building that look just like you and you get in there and there's a few adults who are overseeing you, but they're there for the paycheck. So you're left up to your own devices of how to make sure you stay clean. You're left to your own devices of making sure that your belongings stay your belongings. You're left up to your own devices of protecting your body amongst other kids who have now become pretty much animals. And now you're waking up And you're going and sitting in a classroom within a structure that tells you you can no longer speak Arabic. We need to make it to where you fit in 
to the social structure so that when somebody comes in here, i.e. a white person, i.e. a white person, i.e. a white person, that you speak English, that they do not have to bend, they do not have to form, they do not have to uh, adjust to you who is the person in need, but you have to adjust to them who is the provider. Now, if that ain't some supremacy shit, I don't know what supremacy is. So now my kids are like, they're really like disgusted because I told y'all Egyptian people are very prideful people and I'm here for it. Um, So to tell them that they can't speak Arabic, whether they want to or not, to tell them they can't, they don't like that. Egyptian people don't like you telling them what to do, period. You know, if you tell them to tie their shoe, they're going to say, oh, it doesn't need to be tied right now. Like, that's how prideful they are. That's how, like, and they may go back later and tie their shoe, but don't tell them to tie their shoe. They don't like being told what to do. And I do believe that comes out of the oppressive structure of colonialism. We are all acting out ancestrally some of this shit. We still act it out. And when people look at you and say, I don't even know where you got that from. Tell them to light a white candle and go meditate on it. Okay. So we start moving into this more cultural thing, which is where I'm starting to say, okay, this is where we already have our native Americans in this, in this process, in this social structure. And now we're talking about black people because the 1900s, is where black people were free, but we were also in our housekeeping years. Those were the housekeeping years. The 1900s, the early 1900s, were the housekeeping, maid, butler, uh, shoeshine boy, newspaper boy years for black people, for the working class black people. Now, we did have our business owners. We had our talented 10th who were thriving. But for the most part, we were still embedded into white culture as the servants. So, yes, we were being raped. So, yes, um, we were being intoxicated and taken advantage of. So, yes, we were having kids and being ashamed to have those kids in the social structure. But the kids who we were ashamed to have in the social structure stayed in the family. Even some of the raped children stayed in the family. We did not let our kids go. If a black child ended up in an orphanage, I guarantee you somewhere in that there was social structure already in place that advised that this is the best thing for your child. This is the best thing for you. And this is the best thing for your child because in the 1900s, black people still just were not operating in that, in that way as a whole, not even as a third. Okay. So we're reading, reading, reading. And um, now we start talking about kids being abused Um, We talk about the introduction of foster homes and I'm explaining to them because the book doesn't say it, but foster homes, the government had now come in and was paying people. You come take these kids, we'll pay you X amount of dollars, which I also believe is a form of supremacist. That's another way that they kept the money in the, in their own race that I'm just now thinking about that. I'm just now saying that, um, but yeah, it feels right. Because I still think about white wealth versus non-white wealth. And I believe that there's so many systems set up for white wealth to stay white wealth. Which is why I'm glad technology has stepped in. Because we have now more rich non-white people than ever. 
And I'm only speaking up against the white construct of supremacy. If you are listening to this and you're a white person and you are like, you know what? I'm all for the global community. I want to be a part of it. I want to speak a little Arabic. I want to love. I want to be whole. And I want to help others love and be whole. I'm not talking to you. But if I got your blood boiling right now and you white, you the very person I'm talking to. You the very person I'm talking about. And your time is over. We are reclaiming everything for the world, for the protection and salvation of the earth, for the ancestors. Time is up. Go back into hiding. As a matter of fact, don't go back into hiding because we finna start snuffing y'all out. We, we're tired of the hide and seek peekaboo game of racism. We're tired of it. So anyway, Native Americans have already been infl- in, uh, infiltrated into this. And now they're talking about... Uh, how kids were now uh, being abused, they were starving, and how kids were, were, were staging insurrections in orphanages. Like in the 1930s, there was this group of kids at an orphanage, um, white kids, God bless them, who uh, broke out of their orphanages and went and broke into a bread store so that they could eat. So the government then fully indoctrinates itself into the orphaning system because uh, people weren't doing right. Adults weren't doing right. And that is how uh, the welfare system got into, got into it, which now we call it CPS. So I was explaining to my kids, this is the example I gave them. I said, imagine your mother has hit you with a ship ship, right? <laughs> and a neighbor is walking by and the neighbor doesn't agree with you being hit with that ship ship. And the neighbor gets on the phone and calls the government. And the government says, okay, we're going to send somebody. We're going to send one of our representatives out to, your, to, this, to this person's place of residence. So one day you, y'all are eating. You know, you've learned your lesson from being hit with the ship ship. And you get a knock on the door. And the person opens, your mother opens the door and the person says, we understand that you've been hitting your child. Um, Somebody has reported it as abuse and we need to sit and have a talk with you. So my kids are then like, but what if the mother doesn't want to talk? And I said, well, it's too late now because the government has been called. And when the government gets called, the police get involved and all of that. So the more your mother resists allowing them to come in and question her, the more likely it is that you are going to be taken from your mother's house. And they just went bananas. When I tell you my sixth graders was like, that's not right, miss. That's not fair, miss. I said, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is America that y'all are reading about. And I don't know how I divinely got placed here to actually be so fed up with 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 just allowing y'all to get misinformation without context. But this is the context of this article. This is the deeper context. This is the inferencing. And do not separate yourself from it. Because everybody loves America. And everybody wants to imitate America except people who understand how crazy the system is. People who understand that America is a system. It is not a nation. It is a system. So by the end of it, one of my students, she was like, I don't like this article at all. (laughs) She was like, and I told her, I was like, you know what? I didn't like it when we first started reading it, which is why I had to stop at the second paragraph because I felt 
responsible. I felt like because y'all know that I'm American, that this is who I am. And I, 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 it is very important that y'all understand that Miss Kamika is a black American. I am a black person who was brought to America from this continent, from Africa. So my reality, depending on the time frame, the timeline is different. And what I'm after is way is light years ahead on the timeline. And I have to embed that into y'all. This is the matrix. Because I don't ever want y'all to get caught slipping again. We cannot afford to get caught slipping again. What do you mean by get caught slipping? Colonialism. And I told them, as y'all get older and you study more of, of, of history, your history and the history of other countries, it will become evident to you what I'm talking about right now. And the beautiful thing is they didn't have that like blank look on their faces that I was experiencing in America from kids who just are not being taught in the way that they should be. These kids here... If they have a teacher who can put it in context, they're learning really valuable. Um, the text here is rich. The um, What they're learning is so rich. You know, I've learned about Hannibal, Hannibal Barca, who I never would have learned about. Never. Never, ever, never. And Hannibal was a black man who died with one eye. Anyway, I, I was about to go somewhere else. I can't do that. Anyway. Um, and we're getting ready to read about Hung Wang, Hu Wang, Wang, uh, out, out, y'all will hear about it in another, uh, podcast. Cause I can't think of it. Hung Wu, Hung Wu. So I'm about to get some Chinese history that I never like that. I would get in morsels in American history. Like you get little bitty morsels. I remember being in fourth grade studying social studies and if sherry wade hadn't mispronounced mesopotamia as she said she was trying to say mesopotamia but the word she said mesopotamia that's all i remember about mesopotamia that is literally all i remember and everything from other cultures is taught in morsels all the way up until you get to like your senior year in high school to where you start to get more of a world history because they're trying to let you know oh you can go study this in college so, uh, anyway, that was that. Also, last week, one of my coworkers came and sat by me, and she was like, Kamika, she has a particular voice, and I really love her voice because it's, it's very, very Arabic woman to me, very Egyptian woman. Um, now, Kamika, is an Arabic woman and an Egyptian woman the same? I don't think so. I think Arabic is the language. I'm gonna get clarity on that too, because I I don't want to I don't want to be uh, misinterpreting things. But I know they speak Arabic here. They they don't speak you don't speak Egyptian. Egyptian is the nationality, if I'm not mistaken. Arabic is the language, but there's also Arabic culture, right? So you see an Egyptian woman who speaks Arabic, but then you can also see an Arabic woman. I gotta get clear on that. Um, anyway, she came to me and she was one of the ones who I was saying in the last uh, podcast who was like, so they still oppress your people. They still oppress black people in America. And I was like, girl, yeah, they still killing us like <laughs> we dying right now as we speak, you know. And um, she was very um, clear to me that I was family here and I was welcomed here. And she asked me, did I feel welcomed here? And I was like, yeah, I feel welcomed here. Um, So I'm uh, 
getting a better sense of of knowing that I have a way of being and a way of knowing that just fits in a way that my roommate it don't fit it doesn't fit we are different it is important to me that I be able to come home and know some some Arabic how dare you go to Egypt for a whole year and only know one word or two or three how dare you how dare you immerse yourself in a, in in a cold different culture only to talk about the places you visited and the beaches you visited and then when you do talk about the people you talk about what you think is the idiocy of the people or the stupidity of the people or how how hard they made it for you how dare you so it brought to light the yeah y'all I am I do live with a different person I do live with a different person and now we're gonna go to my roommate who was sick all last week and I'm gonna tell y'all this story and then I'm gonna get off of here on today is Saturday it is Christmas Day so on Wednesday Wednesday Thursday no on Tuesday Monday it, it had to be Monday um I come in and my roommate is sitting on the couch and she doesn't have a voice. Her voice had been going out, but mind you, she had been going out for the, her voice had, had started going out two weeks prior to it actually going out, but she kept going out on the weekends and the weather was changing. Remember we had a, we had a, a, a dust storm and then we rained and then we were out of school cause it rained. And so she kept going out on the weekends and black people, we don't do that. If the weather is changing, you stay in the house, you let the weather change and then you go back out. Like, you don't just keep going out. You don't, that's insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, insanity. So when she finally hit rock bottom and the voice went out, she was home. And so I came home one day and she was, she was feeling talkative. So I came in, I sat at the table. Uh, luckily I didn't have food. Uh, there was a fly flying around the living room. Actually, there was like three. And I was like, where are these flies coming from? But I didn't say anything because in our kitchen, there's a window and my roommate cooks sometimes she'll be cooking something and it'll smell like something straight out of my mama's kitchen and other time I'm like ah, what is that what is she cooking like what what is that smell like it's very much that for me and, and I come in my room <laughs> and close the door well she'll open the window so we are sitting here talking flies are everywhere three flies but they everywhere and let me tell you about the flies here if you've once again, if you've ever seen that bit that Jamie Foxx did talking about the flies, it's nothing as funny as that was. He is not lying. Like these flies here are gangster. Like they will land on your forehead and until you swipe them away. They not going nowhere. Like in America, if a fly lands on your hand and you shake your hand, the fly will fly away. Not in Africa. He's like, got my seatbelt on six flags. Let's go. So these flies are flying around. And of course, they're landing on my roommate. They're all on her. Like, like she's Mike Pence or something. So she's getting frustrated and she goes and gets a can of Raid. Now I look at the can of Raid. I look at her. She ain't paying me no attention. We're talking. So she's talking and she's waiting for the next fly to land. Fly lands. She goes, tries to spray him. Well, the fly's like, bitch, miss me. So he's back in the air. And I'm like, Shari, you probably shouldn't be. And she's like, no, 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 I'm going to get it. It's just a fly. It's, you know, I'm going to, I didn't, these bloody flies. I don't know where they, so I'm like, Kamika, 
get ready to go in your room because this is not this is not going to end well. So now she gets up and she's still talking. I don't know where these bloody flies came from, you know, uh, and I'm literally like the window in the kitchen is open now. Now, only reason I'm like that, because I don't ever open the, the, the kitchen window. Hey, I don't really cook. I eat a lot of fruit, a lot of vegetables. Um, I go buy broccoli, put it in my ramen, you know, like I'm not really cooking to where there's like odiferous moments to where I have to open anything. Not to mention the window is not an actual, you don't get a view. The window opens to the center part of our building. Like, so when, when the window is open, you see like a, some stairs, you see, uh, pipes, You don't see outside at all. You can see sunlight coming from like the very top where the roof is. But it's like a shaft. Like, so it's like an elevator shaft. Like when when the window is open, it's like you're looking into an elevator shaft, but it's like pipes and stuff. And there is a ladder. There's a ladder, but it's like a cross. So I don't never open it because I think it's super creepy. And, you know, I think all sorts of weird insects would be coming into our kitchen like I'm literally like no if you keep that window open you're gonna come in here one day and there's gonna be a whole ass snake on the stove so I just don't ever open it anyway but she's always opening it anyway flies so she's now up on her feet now we have a whole ass patio door that you can open and I don't know if y'all know like I know but flies like reflections that's why people put water in bags and hangs it up hang them up because flies are they're attracted to the reflection of light so she's up walking around with this raid and any moment i'm thinking she's gonna open the patio door doesn't happen these bloody flies so i'm like shari you're gonna kill us and i literally i say this and she's like no i'm not gonna kill us it's just i'm gonna get them i'm gonna get them Y'all, when I tell y'all, I looked at her and I said, girl, bye. (laughs) And I went in my room because she did not open that patio door. And I left her in that living room at least for another two or four minutes. I could hear her spraying, trying to catch the flies. So when I tell y'all about the spectrum, I'm pretty sure she's on that lower rung. And she wants to talk about these Egyptians and how they do things. And I'm looking at everybody like, oh, y'all got it wrong. <laughs> no wonder she's sick. No wonder she got sick. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I appreciate y'all for listening to this podcast. I am moving forward. I am thriving. Um, I took an online course, a 12-week course in dream interpretation, and I finished it last week. So I am now certified dream interpreter so that I can continue to get my whole life together because dreams have always been important to me. So I am now uh, prepared to come home and go through all of my journals and look at some of these dreams from past, present, and future. And... uh, continue to to collect my artistic self so i appreciate y'all um shout out to everybody who's having a good holiday season we've lost a lot of people 
people are in pain. People are remembering their ancestors, which is another reason why I think we need to make, you know, if we can create Kwanzaa, I think we can make, we can create something to help us um, remember our ancestors in a way that has ritual, that we don't just sit around and pour, you know, up a drink and and get drunk and and be sad. We've got to create ritual practices of remembrance, ritual practices of connecting with spirit, ritual practices of remaining whole as we miss people who have gone on during this time of year. I beg of y'all, I beg of y'all, I beg of y'all to create ritual in your lives. Create ritual in your lives and and stop um creating moments where we involve substances in our ways of knowing and ways of being with each other when it comes to how we deal with loss. Be good, be good, be good. Be God. Peace.